all praise the Lord. We're in First Peter, trying to figure out what Peter's saying. Uh, to be honest, uh, this is one of the hardest passages that I've had to deal with. But we want to read them, and then we want to see what uh, God's got to say. Let's look at First Peter chapter one, verses eight through twelve. Eight through twelve of chapter one of First Peter. Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what uh, what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who ha- was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven things which angels desire to look into. Well, any questions? <laughs> well, we got to look at this. Let's just try to see what Peter is trying to say to the Gentiles. These are, are Gentiles that received uh, Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Now, you know, sometimes when they, uh, when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, everybody doesn't like you. And this is what happening. The world doesn't like you. That's what he, he's saying. That's what they're feeling. They also get, uh, have problems with the Jews. The Jews are not accepting them. It was a hard problem for the Jews to accept Gentiles to come to know Jesus Christ, their Messiah. But uh, there, there were sufferings for Christ in their lives that they didn't know they were going to have to experience. They, we thought, you know, when you get saved and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you think everything's going to be nice and fine. Everything's going to be wonderful, uh, but there's not. You know, I believe they, to a certain degree, this uh, letter was written uh, approximately about the same time that Paul wrote his letter to the church of Philippi. And in doing so, he wrote about knowing, knowing Jesus and the fellowship of his sufferings. And the power of his resurrection. So they may have, I'm not saying that they did, but they may have heard something talk about the fellowship uh, of the sufferings of Jesus Christ. Understanding that, to know that. Uh, And that's something that's very hard to understand. You get someone um, to come to know Jesus, you get them born again. And the first thing you're not going to tell them is that, 
but you're going to uh, suffer for Jesus. <laughs> uh, they say, well, thanks a lot, Frank. No, they're not going to, they're not going to tell them that. So, but, but they, these, uh, new Christians, Peter is trying to talk to them, trying to uh, let them know that, well, he's trying to encourage them. He's trying to encourage them, to, these Christians, to stand fast in their faith, because uh, Peter understands and knows about uh, ministering to Gentiles. You remember, uh, let's go over back over for a little while in uh, Acts chapter 10. Uh, Peter was on the rooftop, and he was praying, and all of a sudden, he got a word from the Lord. Not exactly the word that he wanted to hear, but God began to speak to him. Uh, because the household of Cornelius, Gentiles, needed someone to preach the gospel to them. Then, in, uh, in Acts chapter 10, um, Peter became very hungry in verse 10 and wanted to eat, but while he was they made ready, he fell into a trance. And he saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. And there were all kinds of four-footed animals in the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And then God says, what God has cleansed, you must not call unclean. So he did this three times to convince Peter that he was to go to a Gentile, which they considered to be unclean, to go to a Gentile's household, not just out on the streets somewhere, but go into his house and share the gospel. So that's what Peter did. He went and shared to Cornelius' home, and he'd never done this before. And But he saw for the first time these Gentiles getting saved and filled with the Holy Spirit just as he was, just like him. So he became aware for the first time in his life that God not only loved the Jews, but he loved the Gentiles. So here in this letter, we have Peter dealing with these new Gentile Christians, trying to help them and to encourage them, because he understands that God loves them. He experienced that in his life, and now he's trying to encourage these uh, new Christians to stay firm in your faith, um, don't listen to what anybody else is saying to you. Only listen to what God has to say. Now, just summarizing, remember back in First um, Peter chapter one, verse three, he he that he's telling them you have a living hope. You have Jesus Christ is your living hope. Your living hope is something that, well, it's real. It's not something that, uh, it's a theory, but you have a living hope of 
of being resurrected from the dead just like Jesus, and you have heavenly blessings. You have an inheritance in verse 4. That's what he said. That it's not going to fade away. It's something that's permanent in your life. Then in verse 5 we have that you are kept by the power of God. That word kept there is that you're, you're, he is standing guard around you to keep you, to keep you in his care. So no matter what's being said about you, no matter what's being said uh, to you, uh, he is protecting you, and that's what he's trying to encourage these new Christians. Also, he says in verse 6 and 7 that you're going to be tested for your faith, but you are to rejoice, uh, to rejoice because you have now faith in a living Savior whereby you have all these benefits from heaven being poured out upon you. But you're going to be tested by fire. Oh, glory. Like I said, but he's telling them, rejoice. Now, how, how many of you are going to stand by and say, oh, come on here. Uh, I want to be tested. Uh, because, you see, in my testing and tribulations and all this, I'm going to rejoice. No, you don't, you don't have that on your mind. They didn't have that on mind, but he was trying to encourage them to rejoice even though they were going to go through some trials and tribulations and pain and agony and all of this. Don't give up. Stand firm in what you're going to do. So, now we have 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. What does it say there? Of this salvation, the salvation that he's been explaining to them that they have, that they can rejoice in, even though they're going to be going through some trials to test their faith to make sure that they don't give up. So, of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied by the grace that was come to them. It's, this uh, salvation is not something that automatically popped onto the scene. It was already talked about. The Jews understood all of this. It was already prophesied. And if you have any knowledge of these prophets, well, let's just look at the, pro- the prophecy that were taking place. Just all of them. We can't have time to do everything. But turn to Numbers. Numbers chapter 24. Numbers chapter 24. Verse 17. And 19. Numbers chapter 24. This is a, this is Balaam's prophecy. This is a prophecy about the upcoming. This is the utterance of Balaam, the son of Beor. Verse 17 says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. And a batter for the, and, and batter the brow of Moab. And destroy all the sons of Tumult. 
And out of Jacob, one shall have dominion and destroy the remains of the city. There's coming one that uh, is going to be your, not only your savior, but he's going to come and rule and reign. That's what the prophets had prophesied. So what, you, what I'm trying to tell you, Peter would say, I'm trying to based upon what I know to be true as a Jew, but that the, those that have lived years and years ago had said this would actually take place. In Song, Song 2, turn over to Song chapter 2. Song chapter 2, verses 7. Song chapter 2, verses 7 through 9. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. Said to me, you are my son. Talking to Jesus. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Here, prophesying what the Son of God will come and to do to take care of all the nations that are not following him. Everything he's going to totally wipe away. All the, the counsel of the government, all the, the plans of the people. But his counsel is going to stand. He's going to rule and reign upon the face of the earth. Now over into Isaiah. Let's go to a couple more scriptures. Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 42. Uh, you get that for I will probably. Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 and 4. 42, verses 1 and 4. Behold, my servant, whom I behold, my elect one, in whom my soul delights, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will bring justice to the Gentiles. In verse 4, he will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice on the earth. He's coming. He's going to have the spirit of the living God in him, and he's going to bring justice to the Gentiles. That would be good news to those that were writing, but Paul was writing too. Justice to the Gentiles now. Hallelujah. Boy, they would, they would, oh, they would welcome that into their lives. That would definitely encourage them that their Savior is going to bring justice for their lives. Then in Isaiah chapter 53, Isaiah 53, verse 5, one of my favorite verses, but he, talking about Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastiser for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. This they would know that it was prophesied that Jesus would suffer in order to bring these Gentiles to believe in him. So therefore, if he went through sufferings to save you, 
Paul the Apostle has said he wants to know the, the, the fellowship of his sufferings, the sufferings that Jesus went through, because you're going to be going through some sufferings when you stand up for Jesus. Well, whoa, that's a lot. That's a lot to take in. I don't know if these, these, uh, you know, he's trying to encourage them, trying to help them to grow, trying to help them to realize, uh, you've got a living savior. And that's what he's saying. He's saying that salvation is finally here for you. First Peter 1, 9 and 10. Serving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The salvation of your souls is finally here. And as we just read that these prophets, they, they, they have uh, inquired and searched carefully who prophesied the grace that would come to you. The grace of God. He loves you so much that he's poured out his grace upon you to receive you into the kingdom of God. Ah, hallelujah. Now, how is this revealed? How is this revealed to you? How did the prophets know? How was it revealed to them? Well, in verse that we have, we read verses 11 and 12. It says that searching what, on what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating that he testified before the sufferings of Christ as glory. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit was giving them revelation knowledge as to what was about to take place. This Holy Spirit, uh, this same Holy Spirit in verse 11, whom, who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things which angels desire to, this Holy Spirit by, I'm preaching, Paul would say. I'm preaching by the Holy Spirit. I, it's not me. I, I, I can't share this with, my life has been changed because I gave my life to Jesus and he's empowered me in the Holy Spirit, Peter would say. Therefore, I am sharing with you, you Gentiles, through the power of the Holy Spirit, what is exactly for you? What needs to take place in your life? Because this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this back in John chapter 16, verse 15. John 16, 15. This is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 15. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. See, that's what Peter was saying. He, he's guiding me into all the truth to be able to share to you, to encourage you in your faith walk with Jesus. He will all, he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you of things to come. That's what took place with the prophets as well. He was 
in them, telling them of things to come, prophesying of Jesus coming in. So Jesus said, this is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, Gentiles, this is what you need. You need that same revelation knowledge. You don't need to just uh, accept what I'm trying to say to you. You need to be revealed to you. I've got things to say to you, Peter would say, but you need to be able to have the power of the Spirit of the living God dwelling inside of you to empower you to hear what God is going to say to you through me, Peter would say. So that's very important. Now, I want you, all of us, we need that revelation knowledge. And if if somehow uh, Peter would have told them that they need uh, to pray a prayer, uh, and now I don't know he wouldn't have said this, but this is the kind of prayer that he would ask them to pray, to receive the revelation knowledge. This prayer is in Ephesians chapter 1, starting with verse 17. This may be a type of prayer for you to pray. All of us need this type of prayer because we need that revelation knowledge into our lives. This is the type of prayer that we need to pray. That God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Hallelujah. And also, well, at the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? That's the kind of prayer that we need to pray for ourselves. That's the kind of prayer that that Peter, in his quiet time, will be praying and, and asking the the people, you need revelation knowledge. You need to be able to understand. You can't comprehend this with your mind. You've got to allow the Holy Spirit to minister into you. So, let me, let me pray. Let, let, let's pray this prayer together. Would you do that with me? So that I can get that revelation knowledge. Let's pray that prayer together right now. Repeat after me. Uh, Father. Yes, that's right. Give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Father, that my eyes of my understanding would be enlightened, that I may know what is the hope of your calling for my life. Father, that I may know the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints. Father God, that what that I may know the exceeding greatness of your power toward me who believes. Father, I need that in my life. 
I need that revelation knowledge. Fill me now with the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I believe it to be done that I may experience and know my salvation in Christ Jesus this day. Amen and amen. Eu quero ser um testemunho, remove o erro e crie o bem em mim. Estrela alva brilha em mim, brilha a luz que inunda o meu viver. Brilha a luz que é no meu viver.